Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is uh, Tuesday, yeah, <laughs> February 1st, a new month, 2022. Uh, it was a new month. Well, actually, nothing really changes here. We just continue on, and we'll continue our catechesis uh, hearing our last story of the book, or about Hezekiah, before we move on to his son, Manasseh. All right, we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse together. I'll scroll up here so you can see it up high. There we go. Say it with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3. All right, we pray our psalm together, Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke, flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Stretch out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you who gives victory to kings, who rescues David, his servant, from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. May our sons and their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut from for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, first reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. 
But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and your sons shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. All right. Uh, Belial is another name for the devil. Um, I don't know where that's from. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it occurs in the Hebrew Bible. Oh, uh, Bay, it's like Baal, but it's a sim, sim, similar to that. Um, I'm just looking at Wikipedia here. <laughs> Not the, necessarily the most often, uh, authoritative source, but there you go. Um, it occurs 27 times in the Masoretic text, 10 verses, especially in uh, book of Proverbs. Um, and, and Adam Belial is a naughty person. Sons of Belial are simply sons of worthlessness or sons of lawlessness. All right. Yeah, I see it all over in the Old Testament there. It's in the, it's in the Dead Sea Scrolls, in the Book of Jubilees, um, in the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs in between, and then, of course, in the Christian text as well. Yep. And this is the chief text that, that picks it up. Um, okay, uh, maybe a, a few other things to talk about here. Of course, you hear uh, Paul is just really laying into the rhetoric, isn't he, um, in verse 3. I tried to give you a sense of that. I don't think he needed necessarily wants you to dissect each and every point, although you could, um, but just to show you, um, you know, the life, uh, the, the life of those who confess Christ um, as often mixed with, well, it's joy mixed with sorrow, right, is one of the expressions he uses, right? So, uh, under, under worldly persecution and yet finding joy in that, um, because in that we suffer, um, you know, it is a demonstration. If we suffer for the faith, um, that we are, you know, being attacked because we are with Christ, right? We talked about that in the sermon on Sunday. Um, I think this other thing about not being uh, yoked with unbelievers is key. Uh, I've been trying to demonstrate this um, to you, that we're in the world, but not of the world. Um, that's Jesus' statement. But here, or that's Paul, I should say, here's another way that Paul says it. Um, and and to point out that the civil estate uh, is often uncivil, uh, much of the rhetoric of our political class uh, especially of the political parties and uh, of the uh, 
corporate media is uh, cult-like in its language and its behavior. Um, so is the uh, medical uh, establishment. Um, we see similar things happen sometimes with the military as well. That becomes very cultic. Um, and then the danger is, is that um, those in leadership or the ideas or the dogmas espoused become idols. And when they become idols, uh, then they drag us away from faith in Christ. Right? And we should separate ourselves from them. Um, so it's one thing uh, to be patriotic, and it's another thing um, to put your hope or confidence or trust um, in your nation. Right? And you can't. Your hope, faith, and trust belong to God alone. Right? All right. Um, so don't yoke yourself to it um, in terms of faith, especially, right? Faith, hope, and love belong to God and God alone. All right. Speaking of uh, loving things that you ought not and making them an idol, listen to this. 2 Kings chapter 20. At that time, Baradoc Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. We talked about that yesterday. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say? And where, from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came from a far off country, from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among all my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried off to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who descend, will descend from you, whom you will beget. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken, is good. For he said, Will there be not be peace and truth, at least in my days? Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. All right. So, um, what country's king sent gifts to Hezekiah when he was sick? That would be Babylon, right? Uh, and of course, um, as uh, the book of Revelation calls it, the great whore Babylon, right? So it entices you with its riches and its wealth. There it is. Uh, and so it enticed Hezekiah, and he couldn't help but brag of his great wealth, right? He gave him a tour of his storehouses, the palace, all his kingdom, right? What was he actually then doing? And I think you know, this is quite intentional by Babylon. He was revealing everything to what will become his enemies, uh, to boast of his kingdom. Of course, as we know, it's only a couple generations away, and Babylon uh, will conquer Judah along with Assyria, actually, who had already conquered Israel. How did Isaiah uh, interpret the actions of Hezekiah? He gives this word from the Lord, right? A word of judgment. Everything that the visitors saw would be carried off to Babylon. Even some of Hezekiah's descendants would be carried away and made eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So slave, eunuchs, slaves, right? And why eunuchs? Why is that significant? All right, this is an attack on God's promise by Babylon, right? Because the promise of the descendant, the offspring, is in the house of Judah, by in the line of the kings of David, right? Your offspring will reign on your throne forever. This is an attack on Christ, right? Our Messiah, our King, right? But notice there's a little bit of gospel in there. 
some of your sons, right? So there will still be some descendants. Look at what how Hezekiah responds. I think this is really curious, right? The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Will there not be peace and truth at least in my days, right? So he accepts the judgment of God's prophet, right? Being a faithful king, um, but also recognizes this doesn't contradict the word that had already been spoken, that he would, you know, have those 15 years of blessing uh, before his death, right? All right, and then he dies. And he rests with the fathers. And you can read more about him. Go read Second Chronicles. All right, meditation then. While Hezekiah lived by faith, he was also weak. Though he had seen the daughters of boastfulness, or the dangers of boastfulness, when God overthrew the Assyrians, remember, with uh, Sennacherib, Hezekiah was now being boastful with the Babylonians. What the Babylonians were allowed to see, they would take. But Hezekiah was content um, that the judgment would not come during his lifetime. Once more, we are witness. We witness the truth that we are saved by grace alone. Though he had been given a longer life and rescued from the Assyrians, Hezekiah still had to rely upon God's grace and mercy for his own salvation because his sinful flesh led him in the way of pride. Right? Pride comes before the fall. We confess our catechism for this week. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution. That is, forgiveness from the pastor is from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. What sins should we confess? Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we are not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts. Which are these? Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? All right. Um, Chris says, but he had no worry or guilt. Um, I don't know. I don't know that you could necessarily say that about Hezekiah. Um, I think he accepts the word of judgment. God's word of law um, brings upon him the guilt, right? And then he accepts that word and says, you know, let it be to me as you have spoken, in effect. Right? This is uh, what we do in confession, actually, which is it's, it's a really helpful tie-in. Um, that we confess before the pastor those sins which we know and feel in our hearts, right? But a lot of times what ends up happening is people know and feel something in their heart. Their conscience has been uh, burdened or pricked by God, um, but they, don't, they can't always articulate why. So a lot of times the way that confession goes is actually um, you know, people come for, for counsel, for care, pastoral care, and uh, just want to have a conversation. And in the midst of that conversation, it's revealed to them by God's word, by the counsel, you know, the, the instruction of God's word, by the way of the pastor, uh, what their sin actually is, this, where they've actually um, broken away from God's grace and mercy in Jesus, right? How they've rebelled, right? And then um, the good confession is to simply say, let it be done to me um, as, as you have spoken, right? And then the pastor speaks that great word, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you all your sins, right? And that's in effect what was done here uh, or what uh, Hezekiah is holding on to, I should say, by him saying, um, the, the word that you've spoken is good. We accept God's judgment um, for our sin. We don't shy away from it. We don't hide from it. We don't try to hide from God either, right? And that's why I love uh, the way that Luther articulates, I mean, I hate it, but I also love it, <laughs> the way he articulates, you know, the consideration of our life according to the Ten Commandments. So we look to our vocations, right? 
Are we father, mother, son, daughter, husband, or wife, or worker? So how have we broken away from God's holy word in these vocations that he's placed us in, right? Callings, right? Or in particular, he gives us some um, maybe ways to break that down. Have we been disobedient? Fourth commandment, unfaithful, right? Um, Sixth commandment, uh, lazy, stealing, seventh commandment. Have you been hot-tempered? Fifth commandment, rude or quarrelsome. All right, those are all fifth commandment. Um, Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? So that could be eighth commandment or it could be um, seventh commandment or even fifth. Have you stolen? Seventh, been negligent, also seventh, wasted anything or done any harm, right? Again, that could be eighth, but probably seventh. Luther isn't like, they're not lining up one-to-one with the confession, but he's he's showing these um, characteristics that we all can, we all know in our hearts are wrong um, and showing how those ought to um, burden our conscience to the point where we go to the pastor and say, Pastor, um, I, I've sinned against um, God and against my, my wife or my husband or against my employer or against you or um, against my neighbor, my friend, my family, person. Um, I've, I've stolen at work or whatever it is, right? Please forgive me for the sake of Christ, right? And then the pastor um, is, is given to forgive. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm not really sure why we stopped doing it as a whole, why people stopped confessing their sins um, individually or privately. I, I think it's this misplaced sense of shame um, that the shame is, we keep our shame and our guilt to ourselves, um, but that just burdens our conscience and it leaves us under the, the curse or accusation of, of our sin. So best, those sins that we know and feel in our hearts, to give them over to God um, by way of a pastor who can forgive us, right? And even pastors do this. We have what we call father confessor, right? Who we go to and confess our sins so that we too hear that word of forgiveness, all right? Um, but as far as uh, worry and guilt, um, I mean, that that sometimes can indicate um, where our conscience is burdened. The problem is, is that worry or shame and guilt um, sometimes are a false false sign or false flag, that we have false worry and false guilt. We're guilt. We feel guilty for things that we aren't actually guilty for before God. Or we feel shame for things that really we ought not be ashamed of. Or, or we're worried about things that um, we ought not be worried about. Right. So that can come out in confession too, is that someone confesses and they need it revealed that actually... Um, that others have laid sins upon them that aren't actually sins. They've, they've laid guilt or shame upon them, or even our own conscience is misinformed, right? And that comes out in confession, and we work those things out in that conversation of confession. Uh, that can be done just sitting, uh, you know, over a cup of coffee, or can be done formally in the sanctuary, and there's, there's a lot of flexibility there. Um, but the key is that your conscience be set free as you hear that word of forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself. Um, so you'll note here, our article on confession and absolution, it's all about individual confession and absolution, or sometimes called private confession. I like to call it private absolution, personal absolution. All right, so there you go. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I give you thanks and praise that you have forgiven me all my sin as a free gift of your grace. You died for me because you love me, and you rose from the dead so that I might receive the gift of salvation and walk in newness of life. By your forgiveness, teach me to renounce the devil, to deny myself, and to live a holy life, and the joy and confidence that my sins are forgiven. Amen. We pray, Almighty God, you know we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. Grant strength and protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. We pray uh, this day for deliverance against temptation Excuse me, and evil. We pray for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. Let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord have mercy. We pray this day for Brenna, who celebrates uh, her birthday. We pray for uh, Bailey, who celebrates her baptism. Pray for all the households of our church, um, especially for Gary and Julie, Joseph and Andrea, uh, James and Deborah, Jerry and Marla, Russ and Amy, Doug and Betty. We pray in Thanksgiving uh, with Jolene and Chad at the birth of Carson John. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Jim and Elaine, and Mike. We pray for our homebound, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. We pray for, um, oh, actually, we have a new mission of the month, um, and I don't have it here. I uh, don't know if we'll get a response here. Um, if Don's on the chat, uh, there's the minutes. Let's see if I can get it and put it in. <laughs> um, our mission of the month for this month is Sheboygan Lutheran High School. All right. And they're going to come and we're going to have a Sunday for them. So we keep them in our prayers. We also pray um, in intercession for all pastors and hearers of God's word. And we pray with Norm and Donna as they uh, grieve the death of Donna's brother, Randy. For all this, let us pray um, to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let's see, no colic today. Nope. All right, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we got our hymn for this week. All praise to thee, my God, this night.
soul in thee repose, and may sweet sleep mine eyelids close. Sleep that shall me nor vigorous make to serve my God when I awake. When in the night I sleepless lie, my soul with heavenly thoughts supply. Let no hell dreams disturb my rest, no powers this darkness be molest. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. All right. It's good to have you with us here today for our congregation of prayer. I got the camera set to auto pan. Kind of fun, right? Except uh, sometimes it gets a little confused, it looks like. There, that's better. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. Today is Tuesday, so tomorrow we'll have congregation of prayer again in the morning. And uh, then, of course, divine service tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. And that will be, again, the Feast of the Presentation and Purification of Our Lord. Or, excuse me. Yes. Feast of the Purification and Presentation of Our Lord. I get it always confused. Um, and uh, that's a uh, candle moss, right? Yeah, candle moss. So if you're able to come out tomorrow evening, um, come out. I'm, we're going to be spared all the uh, difficult weather that you'll find to the south, I believe. We might see a little bit of lake effect tomorrow. but um, So should be fine. Should be able to make it. All right. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you tomorrow.